Mark chapter 8, here we go, verse 34 through 38 this morning. And he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? Forever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for um, going to the cross for us. We thank you, Jesus. You emptied yourself. You humbled yourself. You poured out your life for us. And Father, we want to follow you. We want to be obedient to you. We want to uh, love you and seek you and be joined to you. And so, Lord, show us the price tag for that today. And Lord, I pray that we'd be willing to pay it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us to see where, where true value, true benefit, true gain is. Father, we ask for your help this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Jesus was talking with his disciples as they walked down the road. And he asked them this question. He said, who do men say that I am? And the disciples said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're one of the prophets. Some people say you're Jeremiah. And Jesus said, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, the Bible tells us, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God showed him this. Peter says, Jesus, you're the Christ. Uh, what he meant by that is you are the Messiah. You're the long-awaited, anointed one of God. You're the Son of God. You're the one that's going to come and make everything right. You're the one that's going to come and fix this whole broken world. You're the one that the whole world has been waiting for. You are the Christ. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, that's exactly right. And he gathers his disciples together. And he says, okay, guys, I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. And here's the plan. I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer much. I'm going to be rejected by everybody. And I'm going to die on the cross. Okay. Now immediately Peter who just nailed it. Just hit it right. He bombs it next. And he's like no, 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 no. That's a bad plan Jesus. Surely there's a better one. Surely there's a plan B. That's a disaster. You shouldn't suffer. You should not be rejected. And you should not go die on the cross. Okay. And so, so, so Peter um, comes against what Jesus says God's plan for his life is. Now, last week where we ended was basically, I think one of the last things I said to you is, aren't we glad that Jesus didn't listen to Peter? You know, aren't we glad that Jesus didn't, 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 didn't resist that temptation? Jesus saw that in Peter's words was the temptation of Satan to try to get him to veer off of God's plan for him. And so we ended last week saying, man, I am so glad, Jesus, that you follow God's plan for you, that you went and suffered, that you went and were whipped and tortured and beaten and mocked and crucified and died for my sins and paid the penalty for me and rose from the dead so that I could have a way to heaven today. Okay. Now, what I want you to ask yourself, though, is... Do you admire what Jesus did? Okay, now, now that, that's different than are you thankful that he died on the cross for you? Okay, you see, it's possible to say, man, Jesus, I am really glad that you died on the cross for me, that you, get, you made a way for me to get to heaven and not admire what he did. Okay, it's possible for you to be thankful for the cross, but for you really to, to want no part 
of, of, of that type of living, okay? Jesus showed us this path. He said, this is the path of God. This is where I'm going to fall. I'm going to empty myself out. I'm going to sacrifice for others. I'm not, I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to pour myself out for the world, okay? It's possible to say, Jesus, I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> I'm not doing that, though, you know? I'm going to live a different way, but I just want to go to heaven, Okay, and it's really important that you understand that because Jesus, immediately after he tells his disciples what he's going to do, that he's going to suffer, he's going to be rejected, he's going to go die on the cross, immediately he turns to them in verse 34 and he says, all right, guys, if anybody would come after me. Now, that word, that phrase, come after me, means if anybody would be mine, would, would, would be joined to me, would be connected to me, would be my children, would be, would be saved, okay, would be born again. If anybody would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I mean, literally, Jesus is saying, look, if, if, if you're going to belong to me, then you've got to follow me. You've got to follow my life. You've, you've got to imitate me. And, and really, the question we're asking today is, do you believe that Jesus' path that he went on is the path to life? Not, 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 not do you believe in the cross, not are you glad he died for you, but do you believe the path that Jesus was on is the path to life? You see, if you really believe that, you're going to want to imitate that path. You're going to want to follow him, okay? You're going to want, you're going to, want to come after him. What you think of Jesus Christ at this point is really crucial, okay? Because listen, listen, nobody's going to sign up for this, unless they think Jesus is glorious, right? No, nobody's going to hear the message. Hey, if you want to be a Christian, you got to deny yourself. <laughs> you got to take up your cross and you got to give up your life. You know, nobody's going to be like, I want to be first in line unless they believe that Jesus Christ is glorious. It's interesting to me that the way this passage sits in our Bible, you, you've got, you've got Peter realizing that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the glorious son of God. And then it ends in verse 38, with, with Jesus saying, you know what, I'm going to come back. You're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And then in chapter 9, he takes Peter, James, and John up on the Mount Transfiguration, and he reveals his glory. They see who he really is, okay? And so what I'm saying is, you've got glory in front, and you've got glory behind this passage. And that's really important. What do you think of Jesus, okay? Because what Jesus is asking you to do is to trust him. He's asking you to trust him that this life that he's about to show you is the path to life. Okay? Now, how, how does that life begin? Well, verse 34. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. I, I'm going to spend most of the time talking to you about this little deal right here. Okay? Let him deny himself. That's crucial. You know why? Because here's the only way I know how to put it. You're the problem. Okay? You're the problem. Uh, I'm the problem. All right, we, we really like to blame everything on other people. We really like to kind of spin our whole life and to say, if only these people weren't, you know, this, that, and the other. And if only people wouldn't do this, that. And if only I didn't have these circumstances. If only I didn't have this situation. But really, from a scriptural perspective, here's the truth of the matter. You are the problem, okay? You're the one that gets in the way of you having true life, okay? You're the one that, 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 that that's causing the bad things in your life. You're the problem. You're in the way. And so what Jesus is telling you to do is he's saying, you need to get off the throne and you need to put Jesus on the throne, okay? All of us enter into this life with self on the throne. All of us enter into this life with self as king. By nature, we do most everything we do for self, okay? Now, you're hardly going to find anybody that's going to admit to that. 
Okay? You're not. I mean, I've talked to families, especially at funerals. You always kind of, you know, reflecting on the person's life. And almost everybody always says, no matter what, you know, they were selfless. They did, you know, and, and, and I get what they mean by that. But, you know, when I take a good, hard look at myself, man, I tell you what, I'm selfish. By nature, I'm selfish. Without Jesus working on me and hammering on me and the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, man, you know, I do things for me. You know, sometimes I do things for others. Why? For me, <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it's for me in the end, you know, I, I mentioned my family for me and, and I mentioned my friends for me and I want to look good and I want to have a good family and, and I want my kids to be, to, to be good people. Why? For me. I, I mean, that's the danger. The danger is that we are so absorbed with ourselves that when God says, I want you to come after me, I want you to follow this plan. I want you to be rock solid. For the glory of God. And we start to walk on that path. But it gets hard. And all of a sudden there's difficulty. And there's struggle. And there's painful things. And, and all of a sudden we're wanting to bail out. You know why? Because self is still on the throne. Not Jesus on the throne. And, and so the Bible is telling us. Look. We, we've got to fix that fundamental problem. We have to deny ourselves. Now that word deny is an interesting word. Because it's the same word. Used in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus is going to the cross, he's been arrested, he's going to the cross, Peter is following him. You remember the story? Jesus is going to the cross, Peter's kind of following in the shadows, Peter's watching the whole thing happen, and he's warming himself by the fire, and a slave girl comes up and says, Hey, Peter, you're one of Jesus' disciples, aren't you? You're connected with that guy. You're one of his. You're one of those Christians. And you know what Peter does? He denies Jesus. Exact same word. Verse 34, it says, Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, what what does Peter do there? He distances himself from Jesus. He basically says, no, 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 we're not connected. I don't listen to him. I don't follow him. We're not on the same team. We're not on the same path. We're not on the same, we're not in the same group. I'm not connected with Jesus. He does that three times and the rooster crows and he breaks down and repents. Okay, now what's Jesus calling you to do? He's calling you to deny yourself. No, no, no. Self, we're not on the same team. <laughs> if you've been a Christian, you know that. You're not on the same team. You want to go one way, self want to go the other, right? You're not on the same team. You're, you, you, you're not walking together. Now, what, what, what exactly is he talking about yourself? Well, the Bible, the New Testament, refers to yourself in a lot of different ways. First, to it as your flesh. Romans seven eighteen. For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. So flesh or body. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 22 says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Okay, so your old self, your old man, your flesh. Uh, Romans 13, 14 talks about not feeding, not, not giving the flesh anything that, that, that it wants. Okay, so there's lots of different ways that the Bible describes it, but it's our unredeemed humanness. All right? Now, let me, let me give you an example of, I think, how this works out in, in our everyday life, okay? Now, let's just, put, let's just put a throne over here, okay? So this is the throne room, all right? And here's the throne, okay? We all start out in our lives sitting on the throne, okay? Self is on the throne, okay? Now, what Jesus is calling you to do is to deny yourself. 
to deny that you know that guy, that he's with you. Get off the throne. I don't want you there. I'm not listening to you. I'm separating my... You need to go away. And I'm putting Jesus there. Now it's me and Jesus, not me and self. Not me and the old person, okay? Now, how do you know whether that's happening in your life? That's a good question, isn't it? Is is self still on the throne? Is self big in your life or small in your life? Well, let me give you an example of how you can know that, okay? Let's just say, let's just say that someone offends you, okay? They put you out. They criticize you. uh, They're mean to you, okay? How do you react, Well, if self is on the throne, what happens when someone criticizes the king? Huh? What happens when someone uh, puts out the king? What happens when someone's mean to the king? By golly, there's a command given, isn't there? Off with their head, right? I mean, that's what happens. And usually there's a pretty big to-do of it, right? Usually there's a pretty big commotion. There's a tirade. There's a temper tantrum. There's there's off with the head. And heads are going to roll, right? If self is on the throne. Okay, but what about when Jesus is on the throne? Well, that's different, right? Then if if self is, is criticized or put out, that's not as big a deal. Oh, but you know what Christians do sometimes? Sometimes Christians are like, Jesus is king. Jesus, you are on the throne of my life. However, Jesus, I've noticed that you need a good chief advisor. And I do believe that self would be really good for that, you know? And so Jesus is on the throne, okay? He's calling the shots, but self is still the chief advisor. I mean, he's kind of controlling what things get to Jesus and how they're spun and what, how the orders are carried out. Okay, now, now again, let's just take the same scenario. What happens when self is criticized or put out or, or slandered or something bad happens? Well, if he's, the chief, if he's the chief advisor to the king, it may not be off with their head, but it's, somebody's going to pay, right? You don't, you don't criticize, you don't, you don't go at the chief advisor, okay? And so some of you are saying, well, I've progressed in my Christian life and self is no longer on the throne and he's no longer the chief advisor, but he still is the guard at the door, okay? He's the guard at the door. And so again, what happens when someone criticizes you, puts you out, slanders you, whatever? Well, it may not be off with his head. There may not be a huge blowout. There may not be violence and throwing things and there may not even be, you know, direct vengeance but if it's the guard at the door you might get a stern tongue lashing and maybe a little pop on the head too right okay and so what really needs to happen is self needs to be not the king and not the chief advisor and not the guard at the door self needs to be banished out of the courtyard to be the beggar at the steps okay now what happens in a kingdom when the beggar is criticized and put out and and, and made to do something uncomfortable nothing Nothing. You know why? Because all the focus is on the king, right? On the throne. So I guess one of the ways to tell where is self at in your life? What happens when you get put out? What happens when you're asked to do something uncomfortable? What happens when when the path of Jesus demands some humility? What happens then? What happens? Do heads roll? If heads roll... I think you better check, see who's sitting on the throne, okay? You know, if, if there's a big temper tantrum, if there's a big to-do, if there's a big upset, I think you better check. I think maybe not who's on the throne, who you think's on the throne. 
Denying self will transform every area of your life. There's a lot of verses in the Bible. You know what I think a lot of people do with them? Nothing. (laughs) You know? Just almost like, that was really nice, Jesus. That was really nice. Thanks for sharing. How about this one? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I say to you, don't resist the one who's evil. If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, ooh, what do you do? Turn to the other. Turn him, let him have the other also. If anyone would sue you, take your tunic. Let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You know the only way you're going to pull that off? You've got to deny yourself. That's the only way. Beautiful verses like Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Man, this is just a... Two, these two verses are just the gospel. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. How do you do that? The next verse tells us, have this mind among yourselves, which is also with Christ Jesus. You got to have the mind of Christ. You, 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 you get, Christ has got to be on the throne. You got to be following Jesus. See, the only way to put the needs of others before your own, the only way to turn the other cheek, the only way to take abuse in your, in your pursuit of the kingdom of God, the only way to do that is to be following Jesus. You've got to be following him. And the way to follow him is you've got to knock self off the throne right away. That's the first step. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to disown yourself. That old selfish nature. You've got to say, look, I'm not putting up with you anymore. I will not have you. You will not rule this body. You will not rule this life. You, you, you and me are separating. We're going separate ways. And Jesus is the one I'm following from now on. Folks, that will transform your life. Now, is that going to be easy? No. It's, there's going to be blood, actually. Okay? I mean, it's going to be brutal. Okay? It's going to be brutal. In fact, isn't it interesting that in the very next phrase, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And what's the next thing? You've got to take up the, the, the execution chair. Okay? You've got to take up your cross. Now, I think Jesus' point there is that if you're going to follow after him, you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to follow the plan of God. It's got to be your top priority. Okay? That's the way it was for Jesus. For Jesus, it was, I'm following the God's plan. I'm trusting the Father no matter what, no matter what the cost, no matter what comes. I'm locked in on the Father's plan. You can't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus unless. There can't be an unless. It can't be, I'm going to follow Jesus unless it's hard. I can't, I'm going to follow Jesus unless it demands too much time. I'm going to follow Jesus unless, unless they want me to work with those kids on, on Wednesday night. You know, I'm going to follow Jesus and, unless this or unless that or unless it costs me money. There can't be any of that. It's got to be, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. Even if it means the cross. Even if it means death. I'm willing to go all the way after Jesus. But isn't it interesting that that very, that very phrase, take up your cross, is used throughout the New Testament in putting to death your old man, the old self. Okay, That's used over and over again. Colossians 3, 5, put to death what's, what's earthly in you. Romans 8, 13 talks about putting to death your old nature, your old desires. Um, ro- uh, there's another one I thought. What was it? Galatians 2.20, that's it, that's it, where Paul says, uh, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
I mean, those verses are all images of the cross. Now, let me ask you this question. How often are you going to have to do this denying yourself and taking up your cross? How often are you going to be put in a situation where you're like, okay, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to trust God. And, and no matter what comes, even if it's hard, I'm still, I'm still going to follow. How often are you going to have to do that? Well, Luke helps us out there. Luke 9.23 is this parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke. And you know what it says? In Luke 9.23 it says, If anyone would come after me, let him, take a, let him uh, deny himself, take up his cross daily. Isn't that helpful there? Daily. How often are you going to have to do this? Every single day. Okay? You're going to have to do it every single day. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Man, I came to Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church and I was hoping to hear some good news. You know? I was hoping for some gospel. I mean, the gospel is good news. And man, this guy gets up here and here's what he tells me. Man, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to give up your life. You're going to have to lose everything. Well, wow, great, you know, great. All right, well, fortunately, Jesus knew you would react that way. He's really smart, by the way, okay? He knew you'd react that way. And so he said, you know what? Let's just play this way out, okay? So you got your way. Your way is self's going to reign. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this life for me by God. I'm going to accumulate things. I'm going to make myself comfortable. I'm going to have the nicest lazy boy there is. Um, I'm going to make all the comforts of life. I'm gonna, nobody put me out. I'm gonna, nobody get me out of my comfort zone. And I'm going to live for me. All right, well, let's play that out. Verse 35. Whoever would save his life. That, that, that's, that's your plan right there. Save your life, okay? Save it for you. You get to keep it. Self-reign, self-rules. Whoever would save his life, remember you heard this from Jesus, will lose it. You hear that? You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life, for my sake, Jesus' sake, and the Gospels, will save it. Now, now what's Jesus doing here? Man, he's given us the greatest promise of all time, okay? Here it is. If you live for now, okay? If your plan is you're going to live for self, you're going to promote self, you're going to position yourself to exalt yourself and cater to yourself and and compare yourself to others and make yourself look good and indulge yourself and use others to promote yourself, here's the deal. You're going to reign over your little tiny kingdom. Notice how I said that? Your little tiny one, because that's what it's going to be. You're going to reign over that little tiny kingdom and that thing is going to fade and it's going to diminish in satisfaction and in joys and it's going to fade away the older you get and then you're going to lose it all in the end. That's the truth of the gospel. However, if you live for Christ now, that's going to mean some loss now. Let, Jesus has been gut honest with us. That's going to be some loss now. You're, you're going to lose a little bit now, okay? You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to give some things up for the glory of God. But you're going to be connected to Jesus Christ forever and ever. And here's what the Bible says. You, you deny yourself and take up your cross, you're going to find true life. You're going to find a quality of life that is beyond anything you could hope for. That's a promise. Now, whether you believe it or not is really based on what you think of Jesus, Okay? But, but here, some of you are still doubting. And so Jesus goes on. He says, let's just go ahead and put the numbers to it. A lot of people like to see the numbers, you know. They like to, let's go ahead and work this out on paper, okay. So verse 36 helps us work it out on paper. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own life? 
Some of you were here uh, during the very first sermon that I preached at Lincoln Avenue. 1996, the month was June, I believe, right here in this very room. A uh, long time ago. There uh, wasn't very many people here. It was an evening service, I believe. I think I came here to do kind of a revival type thing, some meetings during the week. And, and I preached on this passage. And the reason I know I preached on this passage, I don't remember all my sermons. I can't remember what I preached three weeks ago. But I remember this one because it was so much fun to work this thing out, okay? Because what Jesus is doing is he's saying... Go ahead and give the best case scenario, okay? So verse 36, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? So, so the best case scenario. So, so you cater to yourself and the best case scenario happens. You get it all. You get it all. Everything. Okay? Now that's going to excite people, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I mean, that's going to mean different things to different people, all right? Jeff, right now, he's running through his mind. He's going to have every cabin on every mountain slope in the entire world, you know? He and Elizabeth just, they'll just travel around in these cabins on mountain slopes, and he'll get up in the morning, stretch, grab his rifle, step out, boom, shoot a big moose, you know? Somebody will get it and clean it all up for him, and he'll go to the next one, and boom, you know, big elk, you know? He just, he's got the world, you know? I mean, wow, the whole world, you know? I mean, for others of you, that's going to be this sprawling mansions, you know, mansions upon mansions and pools upon pools. For some of you, it's going to be these big malls, you know, that you can buy whatever you want, but whatever, you know, it's your world. You dream it up, okay? Some of you, it's going to be, you know, fancy motels and lights and stuff. Him and I, it's going to be all travel. Him and I, just travel. We just travel around, see all the historic sites, you know. But you get the whole world, okay? What if you got the whole world? Now, now listen, what we got to be real honest about here is, number one, you ain't getting the whole world, Okay? Okay, so let, let's, let's be real honest about this. You're not getting the whole world. In fact, what's true of most everybody in this room, well, let's just, what's true of me? Let's use me. That's probably not true of everybody. What's true of me is I'll work hard and, and I'll accumulate just enough probably to get me through the rest home, <laughs> to pay for my funeral, literally, Right? And then there'll be a few things left that my kids will divide up, most of which they will not want. That's what's true. That's what's true. I guarantee it. Okay? How many years from now, they'll gather around, they'll talk about Dad, hopefully they'll have good things to say about me, and then they'll start dividing stuff up. Somebody will be like, what are we going to do with this scooter? That thing hadn't run in 20 years. Hadden will step up and be the man. He'll say, I'll take you to the dump. You know, I mean, that's, that's what's really true. Okay? So we're not really talking about the world. But... But, but Jesus, what Jesus wants us to do is say, okay, just dream. Dream a little bit. Let's say you got it all. Man, has anybody ever done that? No. Solomon got close as anybody probably, right? He, he, got, it, he got riches and fame and, and, and just, you know, power and gardens and dancers and entertainment. And there's an entire book of the Bible. God is so gracious here. An entire book of the Bible is written for him to testify. Because we're all thinking, if only I just had a little more, right? If only I just had a little more, I'd be satisfied. If only I just had a little more, I'd be happy. And so God goes ahead and devotes an entire book of the Bible of what have you had at all. And Solomon tells us very clearly what it's like. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. You ever, you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? I went through it with my Friday guys a couple months ago. Men, they couldn't wait to get done with it. You know, every week it's like, when are we going to get done with this? Talk about depressing. I mean, it is. 
It's just all empty. Solomon's like, man, I got this, and I, got, I went all the way. It's empty. It's empty. It's empty. Go through the history books. Who else? Alexander the Great. Remember, he's the guy that wept because there were no war, worlds to conquer. Died, what, in his 30s? Something like that. Napoleon, Hitler. Those guys had to do a lot, I guess. How'd that end for them? Closest one in America is who? Our king, Elvis, right? He's, I mean, really, when you think about people who had it all, isn't that something? We live in a country, that's our monarchy, Elvis. He's, he's, still got, he's still got a mansion. He's still got Graceland. Family of seven can tour it for 188 bucks. I did not do it, by the way. We checked on it going through Memphis, and I said, I ain't paying 180 bucks. I was thinking like eight bucks. Yeah, we'll do it, but not 188. How did it end for Elvis? Was that, wasn't well, was it? Drug overdose? Marilyn Monroe? Marilyn Monroe. Here's you got this lady that, from the world's perspective, she had it all, right? Desired, uh, desired by, by everyone. Fame, fortune. How did it end? I mean, here's a long list there. You can pick. None of them had it all. That whole lot more than you. Didn't end well. But Jesus is saying, but what if? What if it really happened? What if, what if you devoted your life to yourself and, by golly, you got it all? Next verse. What can a man give in return for his soul, for his life? Okay. Let's say you got it all. Let's say you got it all. Let's say you spent the entire bit of your life focused on your material possessions, your power, your position, your fame, your glory, your way. What if you did it your way? You just got your way. You never, never, never got uncomfortable. Didn't, sure didn't do anything that was going to cause you trouble or struggle. Didn't do any ministry. Ministry's hard. Didn't do any of that. You just did it your way. Well, Jesus asked the question, what, what's your soul worth? What's it worth? You know, there's a lot of people who invest all kinds of time and attention in their physical life, their kingdom right here. But you know what they do? They completely neglect what really matters. That part of you that's going to live forever. Your soul. Well, here, here's what Jesus says is going to happen to people who are not connected to him. I picked a passage very close to the one we're in, Mark 9, 43, and it says this, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. I just picked that passage because it's right across the page. But I want you to notice it describes hell for us in three words. Now, there's a ton of other descriptions in the Bible. But I I want you to think about just, just for two seconds here, those three words, the unquenchable fire. Endless day after endless day of torment, of pain, of eternal darkness, of the shrieks of demons, without a friend, without a comforter, without a drop of water in some small way to bring a moment of relief to your eternal torment. And here's the question on the table. What makes that okay? What makes that okay? 
You got the world, okay? You got the world, but you lost your soul. You did it your way. You kept self on the throne, and you lived for you, and you got the world. And, and, and in hell, in a thousand years in hell, as, as, you're, as, you're, as you're bearing the wrath of God forever and ever, because you did not want to be connected to Christ, but you wanted to live your way, what makes that okay? What, what man who's been in hell for a thousand years, bearing the wrath of God in eternal torment, looks back on his life and says, it's okay because I got this. There is none. That's the point. There is none. So you can deny yourself now and say, Jesus, I want your plan. I want you. I don't want to be king. I want you. I want to be connected to you. I want to follow you. I want... And Lord, whatever, whatever it takes. Man, are you willing to say that? That's what taking up your cross means. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Are you willing to say that? And trust that what Jesus promises here is true. That there's a life coming. That there's a life now. <laughs> that, that, Christ, that life in Christ will be far more satisfying than life lived for yourself. Well, the last verse is really one way that you kind of test yourself to see where am I at. Jesus says this. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels. Now, don't misunderstand what that verse says. A lot of people, a lot of people that are thinking, what it's saying is, am I going to be ashamed of Jesus when he comes? Okay? So in their minds, they're thinking, you know, thunderous earthquake, the sky literally rips apart, top to bottom, pours out myriads of, of blazing angels in white robes, riding white horses, with Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, right in the middle of them all, blazing like the sun, sword coming out of his mouth, slaying the nations, the picture in Revelation 14. And a lot of people are saying, they're, they're thinking, will I be ashamed of him on that day? Well, no. You know what you'll be doing? You'll be faking it, if not anything. You'll be like, Jesus, boy, I'm glad you're coming. Boy, me and you, right? Me and you, you know, we're together. Hey, guys, I'm a Christian. Did you know that I'm a Christian, you know, I'm going with him. It's not what it's asking. Now, look at verse 38. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, right now, in the muck and mire of the world, right now, when people think that Jesus is stupid, right now, are you willing to stand for truth? Right now, are you willing to say, I don't know me, I'm disowning myself from self. Okay? And I'm clinging to Jesus. I want to be known as, I'm, I'm with Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I got his plan. I got whatever he, I'm following him. Right now, is that where you're at? Because he says, if you're ashamed of him, if right now, and I know no, nobody probably would say I'm ashamed of Jesus, but you know what we do sometimes? We try to distance ourselves from him. I want to keep Jesus far enough away where he doesn't really impact my life much. I want to keep him. I want to keep him in the distance. I'm, I'm going to be identified with self. It's very frightening. Of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed. What does that mean? Does that mean Jesus will be like, "I'm ashamed of you, tis tis, come on into heaven"? Well, Matthew seven twenty one says this. There's going to be a whole bunch of people who say, "Lord, Lord." 
did all these things in your name. I went to church. I was a teacher. I was this. I was that. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Why does he say I never knew you? Is that because, you know, he's got 10 billion people in his mind. He's like, what was your name? I don't. No, 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 no. You know why he says I never knew you? You were ashamed of him. He doesn't know you. So what we do right now is really crucial, isn't it? What we do today is really crucial. What are we going to do with self? How, how big is self? Go ahead and take your bulletin. You can draw on it if you want. You're just going to throw it away. So draw on there. What's Jesus? Where's you? Are you, are you great big on there? You take up the whole page. And Jesus, he's right over in the corner. Little stick figure. Or, or is, is Jesus big? It's about him. My life's about him. My life's following him. I believe his promise. There's where the life is right there. There it is. I'm not buying into this whole deal of catering to myself and that's going to bring me life. No, I know that's a losing deal. That's a fading deal. Lots of people tried it. Nobody succeeded. Let's trust him. Let's follow him. No matter the cost. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. Let's pray. Father, we pray, God, that you would... um, God, you would help us today by the power of the Holy Spirit to deny ourselves, just to, to, to stop living for self. God, in our relationships, as we get ready to go home here today with our wives and husbands and children and family and friends, God, I pray that it would be very evident that we, we are denying ourselves and we're, we're living for you. We're on your path and we're willing to do whatever it takes to follow you, to trust you, to be obedient to you. Father, we, we want to be closely identified with you and, and not with ourselves. Father, give us grace to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.